Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. All right, today we uh, actually are going to, we're going to get after Fellowship of Dreams. Last week, uh, we teased you a little bit with that, but we had an opportunity to hear how God is working in uh, Ed's life, and so today we're going to come and see how how God uses the church, how God uses the body of Christ in a dynamic way. But before we do that, we want to celebrate uh, somebody uh, that had a special treat yesterday. I think we even have a picture of this. Uh-huh. All right, so Gail Nelson, who's been here from the very first day uh, over, t- over 29 years, you know, uh, had, has been here and um, has been a source of what we're going to be talking about what she wanted to do is what I hear is she wanted to do a road trip to Grady, Alabama and eat at Red's Little Schoolhouse. So there it is. And then uh, here are her compadres that uh, uh, came alongside that went on the road trip with her and uh, blessed her with that. So here, here today we're talking about, well, first off, um, Gail, birthday last week. Uh, and every single one of you that's ever been around here very long at all, you have received a note of encouragement from her on her birthday. So let's just give her a yay, God, for being an encourager. All right. We love you. Thankful for you. I didn't ask permission, but I do ask for forgiveness, okay? So, but, uh, and for, for you, if you're kind of new around here, Red's Little Schoolhouse uh, is special to our, our folks because is special to me because this is my daddy and this is my sister who Reds is named after Reds and uh, and they have catered every one of our Christmas banquets all the way from 200 miles 200 plus miles away uh, every every Christmas so but I wanted you to do this uh, just to honor Gail but also to honor what we're talking about today they enjoyed some good fellowship together all right they enjoyed during the road trip, and you've been on road trips with folks, and if you kind of like them a little bit, you know, it's good, you know, you enjoy that. But what really makes a fellowship of dreams uh, is when you add food to it. <laughs> Not just any food, but uh, reds with the fried cornbread. Did y'all have fried cornbread? Thank you. Okay, good. Uh, so, uh, anyhow. Fellowship of dreams, food, good fellowship, and, and we want to focus on that today. But here's what I, I want to bring up the next slide uh, to just kind of give us some perspective on that. I've quoted Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, the, the German theologian that uh, uh, um, resisted uh, uh, Hitler and all that. But he says this, he said, we're bound together by faith, not by experience. Now, our experiences are something special that we do together. And whenever you, you do life and you serve together and have experiences together, then it, it deepens the fellowship. But his point right here, when it comes to the body of Christ and the fellowship, 
the greater bond comes through our faith. It's our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's a bond that will last forever and ever. You know, uh, you might not go on another road trip with someone else but uh, that, that is not of the faith, but when you have a personal faith in Jesus Christ, that bond lasts forever. And uh, what he's getting at here is that that is really the foundation, that's the basis of what draws us together is our faith in Jesus Christ. And, and that's what we're going to experience, uh, or that's what we experience when we travel the world. Uh, Tammy's going to be going to Africa in what, two weeks? Less than two weeks. And, uh, and there's going to be people that speak, you know, Zulu or, you know, Swahili or whatever the case is. And, you know, but it doesn't matter. When you come to a uh, uh, relationship, when you greet someone that has a personal faith in Jesus Christ, there's that automatic connection. And, you know, I, we've traveled the world in this, and, and there's that connection. And, and God wants us to, to kind of focus on that. It's our faith. And, and who we were singing praise to, uh, singing to the King, Jesus Christ, that really connects us together. Uh, that is the strong glue, the strong bond that God brings into our life. And so um, I want to read this as we have uh, an encouragement from Paul. So if you'll take your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to, to look at what he is encouraging when it comes to doing life together, when it comes to really experiencing a fellowship of dreams. You know, churchanity has really taken a hit, you know, throughout the centuries. You know, you meet a lot of people that go, man, I don't go to church, I don't like church, church burned me, whatever the case is. But what we want to do is go beyond that, go deeper than that, and to understand what it is that, that really is at the heart of the one that we serve, the heart of our faith. And here's what Paul says, beginning with verse 1. He says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Let's pause and just go to Him in a word of prayer. Father God, we just come before You today and we just ask, Holy Spirit, Jesus, that, that You just teach us today. We sit at Your feet that you may take us to the truth and the freedom and the experience that you want us to, to know and to understand today as you continue your uh, transforming process in each of our lives. Lord, if there's someone here that, that is still just kind of seeking this out, that's investigating you, Lord, I pray that there's, no, that there's, that there's absolutely no doubt whenever your spirit is knocking on their heart's door to invite them and to experience your love and grace, your freedom and truth. And for those of us that are followers of you, Lord, that, that we would respond and be doers of your word, that we would allow you to bring us to that place of surrender, that we may know and experience the depth of your love, your truth, and your grace. For we make this our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
The very first thing that Paul says in here, he says, I want to urge you, I want to exhort you, I want to, I'm pleading with you to uh, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. So the first thing that we're reminded of here is when it comes to, to really understanding God's whole plan, and we need to be reminded that knowing that, you know, listen, just what we're experiencing this past week, just what we're living in, the world we're living in, the home that we're living in, the life that we're living in, listen, it's a part of God's plan. It, it is history. It is moving to history. It is moving to God's completion. God's, God's will will be done. And so there's no doubt about that. But he's saying right here, I want you to understand that this is something that you received that you didn't achieve. And that is the message of the gospel, that Jesus Christ has already done it for us. That we don't achieve that. We simply receive that from Jesus Christ as a result of our surrender to Him, as our acknowledgement of who Jesus truly is. And so he said, I'm urging you to live a life worthy of that. And what he's already said in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians are, are some profound and major things. He's saying that we've received, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, it, it's, it is supernatural that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. So often we don't live like that, but we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have all of God available to us. And then he also points out in those, in those chapters that we're chosen to be in His family, that you are the focus of His love. You and I are the focus of His love. That we are also the object of His pleasure. God takes great pleasure in you and me. And some of us, you know, we try to fight that resist going, you know, but I'm just pathetic. No, 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 no. Listen, God knew that whenever He sent Jesus into the world. You are the object of His pleasure. And if you've got kids, you understand that. You know, they're not always, you know, squeaky clean and wonderful and nice, but you profoundly love them and they are the object of your pleasure. And so we, we're reminded through Paul that not only that, but we are made alive. We're taken from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. We are alive. When you have Christ, you are alive. You are transformed. You have a new identity. And we are given a freedom in this, this uh, life that Christ has given us to where no longer, no longer are we bound to be servants of sin, but we are free from the power and the punishment of sin. We're free, of the, we're free from guilt, of having to live in guilt. And Paul is just highlighting every aspect of this, being that we are recipients of God's grace and that He lavishes all of Himself on us, that we're guaranteed in Him, that we, once we come into that relationship with Him, it is guaranteed, signed, sealed, and delivered. And so now Paul comes in, in this first verse of chapter 4 and he says, I'm pleading with you to live like that since this is what has happened to you. Embrace that. Engage in that. Live it. Live it. And then he points out in this that living it really comes in the context of what we mentioned earlier, the fellowship that He intended. God's intent is that through the church the manifold greatness of God be made known in the heavenlies. Is that through the church. So church is important. With all the flaws and, and, and all the deficiencies, you know, that we see in churchdom, you know, it is God's desire. He is passionate about His church. He is passionate about us. You go, a little old, old us? No, absolutely. And the aspect that brings that about and what Paul is going to be talking to us about is how vital and important unity truly is. You know, it takes unity when the snow falls in order to stop traffic, right? 
If there's not any unity, you know, with snow, there's, you know, we're going to just keep on going. But when there's unity, it can stop traffic, especially in, you know, Atlanta. You know, absolutely. But it's here that Paul is talking about the importance of that. The New Testament gives more attention to the unity of the church than he does to heaven or hell. If we see that in, in Scripture, unity is at the heart of fellowship. You destroy it and you rip out the heart of what Christ is doing. He's saying this is important. You know, we don't just, you know, look at just, hey, let's just come, let's go, you know, do our time. No, no, no. It's coming to allow God to unite us that we may experience all of Him. We see unity in the Trinity. Uh, and he said he wants to see it within the body of Christ. Jesus in his very final moments before being arrested prayed passionately that we would have a fellowship of dreams, that there would be this true unity, that we would allow him to reveal to us what it's really all about rather than allow the world to shape our understanding of what church should be or what unity should be. We allow him to shape that in our lives. Nothing is more valuable to God than His bride, the church. He paid the highest price by giving Jesus. And so part of our responsibility is to, to understand, embrace, and then to protect the unity of the fellowship that God has given us. That's what that first verse there on Ephesians 4, 3 on your outline says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now what he's saying here is like, hey, if you think about it, uh, Work on that. No, 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 no. He's saying make every effort. So, so the charge to me as a follower of Christ, the charge to you as someone who has embraced Christ is, is to make this a priority. This is a priority. That, that we protect the unity, to keep the unity through the bond of peace. So you and I are agents of God's unity. We're agents of His fellowship and we're commissioned by Jesus Christ to promote and to preserve the fellowship. And so I want to just share these ways. Here are some just practical ways you and I can do this as, as we think about this. Number one, focus on what we share in common. Focus on what we share in common. Uh, it's essential that, that we do that. But how often do we not do that? You know, we think about, well... Uh, you're different, I'm different, they're different, that's different. I don't know if I believe that. Focus on what we share in common. You know, we see, we see this, especially in families. If there's going to be unity in families, then we need to focus on what we share in common. You know, with, with my kids, I think about them as far as, you know, how they think differently, how they process things differently, uh, you know, what the, they appreciate. You know, it's, it's all different. And it can cause so much division. But what he's saying here is that what we need to constantly do is focus on what we share in common. And he, he gives us that here. He says, there's one body, the body of Christ, universal church, one spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is uh, how y'all coming in, in your study? Y'all still going in that? The Holy? Okay. Uh, one hope, uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So he's saying... Uh, you know, highlight these aspects, continue to, to, to raise these to a level of importance rather than uh, to look at the differences. You know, these factors are so much more important than any other things that, that, that we could concentrate on. Matter of fact, the Bible says, uh, let us concentrate on the things that make for harmony and growth of our fellowship together. 
Now, the truth of the matter is, you look around us, and even in this small group today of uh, non-sleepy heads, uh, you know, we're different. You know, we, 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 there's, we got uh, different backgrounds, different approaches. We, we, we like different kinds of music, uh, different kinds of entertainment. We're different. And, and, and God wants us to appreciate those differences. But He wants us to unite. You know, He's not looking for uniformity. He's looking for unity. But and and what he is pointing out here, and what we see throughout Scripture, and what we've experienced through our own experiences, is that some differences, some minor differences, can cause great division, and that breaks God's heart. And it's just not that important. You know, conflict is usually a sign of the focus that that the focus has shifted from something that's really not important. So here's the pra- practical application: It's just major on the majors, major on the majors. Um, here's a good illustration is, uh, you got to go, uh, we weren't around then in 1917, there was a, a Russian revolution that was going on and a group called the Bolshe- uh, Bolsheviks, they, gr- they grabbed power in Russia. And while that was going on, uh, the priests in the Orthodox church were in a heated debate over how long the tassels should be on their robes. And so instead of being able to be a part of the culture in which they were in, they missed that whole thing. And instead, the whole church split while they were arguing over this trivial matter, how long the tassels on their robes should be. Now, the truth of the matter is you go, well, that's just stupid. But, you know, I've, I've been in church for a long time, been to churches uh, you know, all over the country and been a part of uh, what they used to call them some business meetings. And, and I can tell you that churches don't split over major things, but it's over trivial things. What, what are we thinking? You know, what's going on? And this is what Paul is coming back to say, guys, guys, focus on what we share in common. Focus on this faith. Focus on our amazing Savior, our beautiful Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Keep that. Keep that first and foremost. Look at this verse in 1 Corinthians. Paul says, let there be real harmony so there won't be divisions in the church. I plead with you to be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. So here's just a reminder. And you go, hey, we got to, you know, we're pretty good about that. No, but God wants to take us to a deeper level to realize we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And that He expects and desires for His church to be a reflection of His grace and love. Focus on what we share in common. We've got common purposes. We've got you know, uh, things that, you know, that we, can, we, can, we can truly highlight. God wants us, and, and we've established these as our foundational. He wants us to be worshipers, so honest, wholehearted worshipers of Him. He wants us to be dedicated disciples and, and to continue the process of learning what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ so His transforming work is happening in our life. So that we're not thinking like world think, but we're thinking God think. We're not conformed to this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Why? Because we're on an ongoing process of submitting ourselves to His Word. But also the fellowship of doing life together and learning how to get along. Not to go along to get along, but to truly get along in a way that is a reflection of His grace and glory. But also that of of evangelism, of sharing, being on mission with Him to focus on those aspects, to make those things the priorities rather than trivial things. Number two, 
Be realistic in my expectations. Boy, it's expectations that get us in trouble, right? You know, we, we all have our sense of expectations, you know, and so much of that is based on, you know, how we grew up and what we did. But tr- expectations can get us in trouble quicker than almost anything else. Uh, this is, I mentioned last week, is wedding season. And I've done, done a lot of weddings, and, and, and I can tell you something. Uh, there's been so much in the couples that I sit down with those that aren't able to truly enjoy their wedding are because they feel such pressure of the expectations of people all around them. Uh, you know, and they're not really sure, you know, what they've got to do. And, you know, you've got these people wanting this, these people wanting this. And, and, and I always say, well, well, time out. This is your wedding. You know, this is your wedding. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing in the, if it's not in the Bible, you know, and you want this to be a Christian wedding, you don't need to feel that obligation be realistic in your expectations when it comes to what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and doing life with those that God has given us. Here's the deal. Once we get to a place to where God is working and we understand fellowship and we understand what healthy relationships are, are really all about and, and we know what real fellowship is, then we can become discouraged by the gap between what's the ideal, what God really wants, and what's real, what we're experiencing. You know, we go, yeah, nah, yeah. But it's in the context of the church. It's in the context of the body of Christ that that's where God's wanting to do the shaping. That's where He's wanting to do the work. Because it's not ideal. Here's the deal. Longing for the ideal while criticizing what's going on is a sign of tremendous immaturity. So if I find myself doing that, then I'm going, okay, I'm not, I'm not hearing what God wants me to hear. I'm not experiencing what it is that He wants me to experience in the context of these relationships. Instead of criticizing and judging, I need to be learning what, what Christ would have me to learn. And I need to be surrendering to what it is that He's doing in my life. But also, if we just settle for what's going on without allowing Him to, to give us that passion for true, deep, fellowship that brings about God's purpose in each of our hearts. If we just settle, then that's, that's complacently. complacency. And what He wants us to do is to come to a place of being able to mature in a mature way, continue to grow and develop. So here's this uh, verse. And what Paul says is the way that we do this is be compl- completely humble. Okay, I'm already disqualified in that. And gentle. Okay, here we go again, another mark. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So what, what we're reminded of here is this. I can't do this. I can't function with you as a brother and sister in Christ. I cannot have this a common faith uh, unless I surrender to our common Lord, to Jesus. Say, God, I can't. Apart from you, I can do nothing. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. This is essential in order for us to have a fellowship that is strong in faith that glorifies Him and that shines a light for the world to see. So here's some practical ways to look at it. To be humble, here's what we do. Very self-promotion. I can't be selfish and do that. Uh, we are in a very individualistic, self-directed society. And it's really easy for us to take and project you know, what we think churchanity should be Onto church, but we, but it's just saying to be humble. I, I, I can't promote myself. Who, 
What, who are we promoting? Jesus. To be gentle means I bury harshness and force. I mean, I just can't just go, I'm just going to plow through this. I've just got to bury that. And to be patient means I bury my agenda. We, we all have that uh, tendency to come in with our agendas and what we think. But again, it's like over time, the Lord teaches and reveals to us, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whose agenda? Whose agenda is going to be fulfilled? Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans of a man's heart. Many are the plans in a man's mind. But what? It's the Lord's purpose that what? That prevails. Um, so I bury my agenda. So I've got to continue to live in this attitude of surrender. To bear with means I, be, I bury my rights. Now I, and we gave up our rights whenever we surrendered to Christ. I bury my rights. And, and this is some practical a- application of that. So really what God would have us to do is this. Ask, Lord, is there any way that I am in a negative way influencing and affecting the fellowship that You've given me because I'm not being humble? Uh, Lord, are You speaking to me about being gentle or being patient? Am I bearing with those that are around me? The truth of the matter is, is that when we come into a context of, of, of church and fellowship, we're going to have people disappoint us. We're going to have people let us down. But that's not an excuse for stopping fellowship. How do we, this is, this is epidemic within our culture and our society today. You know, where, you know, everything's just perfect. But it's in the context of this, of these disappointments that we grow. And that others around us grow. Why? Because rather than when problems come, walking out, that's when we really work it out. We work it out. And I I could give example after example of where so many of you have done exactly that. You've honored God's process, not what you felt, not what you thought, not what others say. And rather than fleeing, you just stay and you allow God to do that for which only He can do. All for His glory. You know, it's not about me and it's not about now. It's about His glory and His purpose within each of our lives. There's so many, there's so many things, you know. We, know. we know that as we come together that we're, in, we're imperfect. We're not perfect. Now, we are uh, in Christ. We're made alive and we're given a new identity in Christ. But uh, we sin. And because we do, there's going to be others that do. And there are things that we do to others and maybe intentionally or unintentionally. There's so many things that could to break up fellowship. And we've seen that. You've seen that. But what God is in, encouraging us through Paul's letter here is this. This thing about fellowship, this thing about unity is critical for the purpose that God has for your life, but also for the purpose that He has in helping people that are outside the walls of this place to experience the grace, love, truth of Jesus Christ. So many people, you know, divorcing your church, a church at the first sign of disappointment uh, is just a, you know, an indication that we're not getting it, that we're missing out on what it is that God is calling us to do. Um, I'm going to read again. I read last week, but I'm going to read again Dietrich Bonhoeffer's um, uh, words. He says uh, in, in, in the book Life Together, he said... Um, He suggests that disillusionment with our local church is a good thing because it destroys our false expectations of perfectionism. So he's saying a fellowship of dreams, you know, first is experienced whenever we 
we give up on this idealism that we bring to it, that we project on it, and allow God to kind of reveal what it is that He is up to, what His definition is. He goes on to say, the sooner we give up the illusion that a church must be perfect in order to love it, the sooner we quit pretending and start admitting that we all need grace. He goes on to say, he who loves his dream of community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. If we do not give thanks daily for the Christian fellowship in which we've been placed, even when there is no great experience, no discoverable riches, but much weakness, small faith, and difficulty, if on the contrary we keep complaining that everybody is, uh, everything is trivial and petty, then we hinder God from doing His work in our fellowship. So what is He saying? It's what we talked about when we were in 40 days of prayer. Gratitude. We start everything with gratitude and just say, thank you, Lord. You know, I thank you for these messed up people. I thank for you know, I thank I thank you for what you've placed me in so that you can accomplish your purpose in my life and your purpose in the world. So here's the application is that we just ask God to reveal any expectations. Are there God any expectations? Are there any expectations in my life that are not from you? Am I projecting that on 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 my brothers and sisters here or the unity? If we're going to allow Him, if we're going to do and accomplish what Paul is saying, live it out, then we need to focus on what we have in common, but we also need to be realistic in our expectations. The next one is number three. Commit to build each other up. Commit to build each other up. I mean, this is just a commitment that we make. What it's saying is this, and it's just reminding us, and, and, and I, we understand it because we're smaller and there, many of you have been here and you know that this is not a spectator church. You know this, this is a participatory. You know, we're all in the game. But in, in, in America today, there's so much that is spectator. But, you know, this is, you know, get in the game. Commit to building it. We all have a part to play. And he goes on to talk about that in the, in the rest of that uh, chapter in chapter 4 when he's talking about how God has gifted every single one of us. And we talk about that when we talk about our shapes and gifts uh, in, in class 301. But the importance here is that, number, is that and here's the application, that, that we value every person. That we value every person. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So here's a question. You know, as a follower of Christ, you know, what is it that you've called me to do? What you shaped me to do? That's the question we continue to ask ourselves and ask of one another. So if I'm going to commit to building you up, then I need to value. That's, that's the next slide right there. Value every person. Every person has value. You, we know that. Every person has value. Uh... They may be obnoxious, immature, a little bit disagreeable, but what we always remind ourselves of is this, Jesus died for them. You know, I, Jesus died for you. Do I have a right to, to be ugly? Do I have a right, you know, to put down uh, someone for whom Jesus died? Absolutely not. You know, I, I, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you say, no matter what your mindset, you, you know, or what kind of day you're having, the, the, what I need to keep in the background as I look at you is that Christ died for you. Your eternal value. 
How valuable are you? Um, this passage right here says in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value, value others above yourselves. When I think about that, if I were to try to do that in and of myself, it's just not happening. Apart from Christ, that's not going to happen because we see people driven by self-interest. And Jesus says, no, I die to self. If anyone tries to save his life, if anyone tries to save his life, uh, he will lose it. But if you surrender your life for mine, you'll find true life. That's what God's Word has to say. Commit to building one another up. So what does that look like? Uh, it can be in, in so many different practical ways. Uh, hey, do what some of the guys did yesterday and, you know, along with Tammy and commit to building Nikki up by just, you know, get them some just brute strength and loading up some furniture and all that kind of stuff. That's building. I mean, that's an encouragement. That's building up. Just building up. Uh, what, what Gail does, you know, by sending that little birthday card, that's building up. Hey, what if we had, what if like uh, 10, 20, 30% of us, uh, whatever, just one did one note a week, you know, to somebody else said, you know, I, I value and I appreciate you. And I'm grateful that you're a part of the body here. And you may do a little hash, you know, attack. I'm not exactly sure what the part that is, but, no, but you know, just, I mean, if we were just to do stuff like that, or, or um, just c coming alongside of someone whenever you see they're down or distraught, and just saying, I am praying for you. Or how can I serve? And so, many of, so many of you do such an excellent job at that, but listen, there's so much discouragement. And we are in spiritual warfare. It is war. And we need encouragement. Every single day, we need encouragement. Sometimes we're a little bit resistant. We don't feel deserving of, you know, but that's not the point at all. We don't deserve anything that Christ has lavished on us. But He, does it, he has done it because of who He is. And now He's saying, I want you to display that same thing. Build others up. Whether they deserve it or not. And, and so it may be a great exercise for you, if there's somebody you just kind of, you don't like the way they look, you don't like the way you know they talk or whatever, you may be, is for you to just say, wait a minute, I'm not going to encourage them because they deserve it. I'm going to encourage them because I'm a child of God and they're a child of God. Think of, think of, think of the chains that will be broken, that, you know, if we were to do those kind of practical things. It comes down to, practical stuff encourage one another matter of fact you know those are people that are part of our clean team are encouraging you right because you walk in and 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 uh the, the you're not you're not having to god you know navigate through you know a bunch of junk that's on the floors and you know it's not stinky when you walk in the restrooms you know I, hey that's an you encouraged by that yeah, yeah. I mean, so listen. There, you don't you don't have to get real super. You're spiritual in this. I mean, if God leads you in some, you know, great grandiose spiritual ways, fine. But just practical ways. Don't discount that. Don't underestimate that, and how God can use you and me to encourage one another. So here's the deal. God knows what you and I need. God's on God's on mission. He's called us to join Him in that. But he's reminding us through the Apostle Paul here that, listen, it's not going to happen unless we are unified. 
His intent is that through His body, that His greatness, His power, His love is made known in the heavenlies, but also here to one another, to those people that we encounter. They will know that we are Christians by our love. So here's the deal. Thank Him. Focus. Say, God, you know, okay, I'm going to do that. Is there anything that I've allowed to just kind of cause me to distance myself from, from this effort of just joining you and becoming truly unified? Am, am I focusing on something I shouldn't be focusing on? Do I have expectations that are not from you, but really are these expectations have been shaped by the world, not of you? Uh, Lord, am I, am, I really, am I really committed, you know, or am I trying to do the spectator thing? Am I committed to building others up for the purpose of God? And here it all starts with this, surrender. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We come and we say, Lord, you know, I just surrender. I surrender my expectations to you. I surrender my focus to you. I surrender my life to you. If you're here this morning and, and you've never done that, my prayer for you has been that you would, you would feel God's presence. You would hear the knock of the Holy Spirit at your door to display how much God loves you, that Jesus died for you, and that apart from Him, uh, there is no life. Uh, it, there's the illusion of life, but there is no life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Starts with surrender. And then it continues. The way it starts is the way we continue. And that is, we can continue to surrender one another. We surrender our life, our rights, our one another, our church to the Lord so that He can then accomplish His purpose in us. Would you pray with me? Father, we just come before You now and we ask that, uh, that You would just encourage us through Your Word and through Your presence. To just respond to the truth that whatever You may be saying to each of us today, that we would be doers, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't hold back, that we, would, that we would make a choice, that we would do this last thing, that we would commit to You so that You can accomplish that. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness. All that You are. Just flood our lives with that. If you're here this morning and you're just, um, you've never trusted Jesus, today is that opportunity. Today is the day. Uh, God knew You would be here. He knew that You'd be hearing again just that He's active. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Uh, he loves you. He died for you. Uh, but we come into this world fallen. We come into this world spiritually dead. And that the only, the only way that we can experience spiritual life is to come and to confess our sins, to turn and to receive Jesus Christ who loved us and gave His life for us. You can do that this morning just saying, I don't understand it all, but I want to open my life to You right now, Jesus. I want, I want Your forgiveness. I want eternal life. I receive You.
as a follower, as a part of the body of Christ, if there's something that God's revealed to you, maybe even some way of encouraging somebody else, just go ahead and right now, just surrender that to Him and say, Lord, I will. I will. I commit to being a part of the fellowship of dreams. That's your dream, Father. For we make it our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week. 